What was the thing when you when you first started broadcasting that caught you off guard the most? Was there like a, the biggest learning curve you had? Man, I mean, honestly, like I think part of it is like the kind of imposter syndrome that you have that comes naturally. Yeah, am I good at this? Yeah. New, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, is this me? You know, like, who am I? Like, I'm talking about Illinois. Like, do you know, who am I? You know, but yeah. I, you get you get over that, and how you get over that is by like just putting in the work, you know, and putting the repetitions, and and not trying to be perfect because you're never going to be perfect. I'm gonna have yeah. I've had plenty of bad takes in the past. I'll have plenty more throughout this career. The current state of college football. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in college football. Conference realignment. Uh, NIL, the portal, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on where college football is today and where it's going to be in the next few years? Dude, I, I think this is headed towards an NFL model. Like, I, I don't think teams in at the college level are built to go through that big of a gauntlet. Like, you just you just can't. It's too brutal on your mind and body for 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Like, dude, there, there may be a stand. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years there's a revenue share with, like, a salary cap for the top yeah. teams, and then there's, like, farm leagues and levels that work their way up. Next question. Today's episode is brought to you by Ekron Athletics. Listen, you guys know I was an injury-prone player during my playing career. Felt like I was hurt having surgery every other season. Looking back on it, I wasn't recovering the right way. So now in my post-playing career, I've made it a mission to figure out how to recover best. And that's when I found Ekron Athletics. Their B37S percussion massage gun, this thing right here, has changed the way I recover after big workouts. I wish I had this thing when I was playing. It was named the best overall massage gun by GQ, Sports Illustrated, and other trusted publications. I'm telling you, every Every player and athlete out there should be using this thing to recover after workouts and games and to get loose before games and practices. And even if you're not playing sports and using it before the gym and after the gym, I use it when I'm sitting at home watching college football every Saturday. When I mean, this thing is beautiful, I love it. I take it with me everywhere I go, even on the road when I travel. Oh, and the B37S massage gun is not just about a quick fix. It's got a long battery life and it comes with a lifetime warranty guaranteeing this thing lasts much longer than my football career did. Whether you're a current athlete, a former athlete, or just an everyday person trying to stay in shape, you need to try the B37S percussion gun from Ekron Athletics. Go to EkronAthletics.com today and start recovering faster and moving easier. That's Ekron Athletics and use promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. That's E-K-R-I-N Athletics.com with promo code NEXTUP for 25% off your purchase. Boy, do we have a big guest on the pod today. My man, Jake Butt, broadcaster for the Big Ten Network, number one uh, analyst for Big Ten Network, former All-American tight end, my good buddy. What's up, Jake? How we doing? Man, Adam, I'm excited because I, I get to have the conversation with one half of the prestigious Button Brenneman Tight End of the Week <laughs> Award. Let's go! It's That's a big award. Dream. I mean, tight ends all over the country are talking about it every week of who, yeah, who's going to get the Butt Brenneman Award. Uh, it's a big week for us, dude. Penn State, Michigan, uh one of the biggest games of the year in college football. I mean, Penn State looks like the favorite in that one. And uh, and wait, what? <laughs> I was gonna let I was gonna let you stay. I was gonna let you go. <laughs> um, but no, it's gonna be a great game. I'm gonna be in State College, but uh, I, I'm excited to have you on because you, you and I have a ton of conversations uh, off off air, offline about life, about our careers, about broadcasting, about media, uh, about Penn State and Michigan. So I'm excited to dive into this. I have, as I told you, I, I wanted to have you on and just uh, dive into it. I don't, I don't have a script or an agenda. I just want to start talking. So, Let's um, do it. yeah, I, I guess I want to start with this. 
you're year two now as a as a broadcaster, right? Year yeah. two as a full time broadcaster. What's the biggest difference you think in yourself between, or what have you learned the most between year one and now in year two? Man, I I, I uh, as far as the broadcasting part goes, like it's funny because in year one. You know, I knew Michigan really well. And like, maybe I knew Ohio State well. Like, maybe I knew Penn State well. But of course, I knew Michigan really, really well. Um, I didn't know the – so I just felt like last year I was playing catch-up. And by the end of the year, I caught my stride. That matters because when you're calling games or you you, you have to know, like, the the landscape of the conference because that's context. Like, if a guy – you're not just talking about what happened a moment ago in the game. You have to know why it happened, how we got here – Hey, did, is this a play that's yeah. worked all season long? If it hasn't, why hasn't it? You know, so you go through the whole conference and, you know, year one, you're kind of just trying to build a foundation. Year two, man, like I've, I've studied these teams now for 365 days plus. I know the coaches. I know the schemes. I know the narratives. So I get that extra context to be able to go out there and like execute the job at a higher level. It's, it's just like anything, man. Like in year one when you're playing – you're, you're, I always say this, you're going real wide, like you're learning everything yeah. like laterally. Once yeah. you get, once you become a veteran, like you kind of start to go deeper, like you really understand why a coach would call this play, why your yeah. route is this route and this concept. So like, as you go on, man, you just start to build knowledge. Yeah. I, I envy how you're able to be with one, one conference and yeah. stay within that because it's hard when you're not right. A lot of the guys at other networks that aren't conference ones like ESPN or, um, you know, even like Fox and CBS, you kind of stay with, you know, CBS is SEC a lot right now. We'll be the big 10 in the future, but yeah, that ability to really have deep knowledge. Like if, if anyone wants to talk big 10 football, Jake butts, the guy, you know what I mean? Where, where, where any other network you may be, like you said, um, not that deep of you're really wide, but not that deep. So yeah, there, there, there's a ton to learn about, man. What, what was the thing when you, when you first started broadcasting that caught you off guard the most, was there like a, the biggest learning curve you had? Man. I mean, honestly, like, I think part of it is like the kind of imposter syndrome that you have that comes naturally. Yeah, am I good at this? Yeah. New, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this me? You know, like, who am I? Like, I'm talking about Illinois. Like, do you know, there, who am I, you know, but yeah. you get, you get over that and how you get over that is by like just putting in the work, you know, and putting the repetitions and, and not trying to be perfect. Cause you're never going to be perfect. I'm going to have, yeah. I've had plenty of bad takes in the past. I'll have plenty more throughout this career. Um, that, that's probably one of the biggest challenges um, and, and probably learning how to deal with people on social media. You know, when you're playing, oh, dude, everybody, it's great. When you're playing and making plays, it is like a drug, man. Everyone's <laughs> patting you on the back. It's the best. That's not the case in media, man, because you're going to make a take and someone's going to flat disagree with you. So learning how to bounce yeah. that as well is, is pretty fun, you know, as you know. You, you, make, you make a good point on when you first start out uh, after your playing career in broadcasting, the imposter syndrome. You know, there's a, there's a great quote by Alex Ramosi. I shared it on my Instagram story the other day about confidence. And he talks about how confidence doesn't come from anything but just having a stack of proof that you yeah. are who you say you are, that you can do what you say you can do. And the hard part is when you go to game one as a broadcaster, you don't have the stack of proof, right? Like you haven't done it. And, and you you aren't who you say you are because you haven't you haven't actually put in the reps and put in the work at that point. Uh, so I had the same thing. Like you're even in podcasts and media and when you do social media. Yeah, yeah. You start to think to yourself, and uh, do people actually like my content? Is it actually going to – 
do anything? Like, am I making a fool of myself? And then after you do it a while, you have that stack of proof. What, what, uh, the funny thing on social media is that it's only the fans of the teams that are losing, right? You never see, you never see a team that, that dominates a game like Ohio state fans. If you go call an Ohio state game and they dominate the whole game, they're, they'll love the broadcaster because you're talking about them the whole time. It's only the teams that aren't good. Uh, I remember Penn State fans during the Northwestern game you called. Penn State was playing terrible, and you called it out a couple times, and they're like, Jake Butt sucks as a broadcaster. I'm like, they just you're just mad that he's calling out Penn State. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, that's that's the thing that gets lost. Like, I'm not a politician here. I'm not to camp I'm not campaigning for any team, including Michigan, yeah. right? Like this this job is a is a is a joy. So like the, the job title is to talk about what you see. And unfortunately, yeah. in that example, you know, it meant talking about the fact that you know Penn State was kind of sleepwalking on the road to play Northwestern. To yeah. me, I, I think what people can start to learn is like if I didn't think Penn State was a capable of great things, I wouldn't yeah. say it. Like, I wouldn't hold yeah. it against him. You know, like, I got an Iowa game this weekend. I'm not going to sit here and say, man, what's going on with Deacon Hill? Why isn't he throwing for 400 yards this game, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to talk about it within the context of, of where they're at as a team. So, it's funny. that, But that comes with it, dude. Like, I think it's it's literally – I see sometimes, like, the paradox of life where it's like that that is this little data point right here, and it's like, wow, why are they being mean to me? But what if it's a good thing? What if it's because college football is the best sport because fans are so organically passionate about their team that there's like that level of emotion involved? Yeah. And I get it because I, I've been, I've, I've, again, as I said, I've made some bad takes in the past. I've been emotional and said some stuff. So like a, as painful as it is when someone might say, oh, Jake, buddy hates Penn State. This is the worst yeah. announcer ever. Really, it's coming from a place of their love for the team. And we're, yeah. we're a couple of the lucky ones that get to help pilot that experience. Yeah, no doubt. You know? No doubt. Yeah, no, you're so true. It's so it's so right. It's like, uh, you know, everything that's bad in life or anything that's negative could also be looked at as a positive if you if you look at it the right way. You know, know that you from right. injuries, right? Yeah, you know yeah, that well, from I, going through the injuries. I was just going to ask you that. So your your playing career, played in the NFL, uh, one of the best to pl- ever to play at Michigan, but it wasn't without adversity. You know, it wasn't without. I think. I don't know this for sure, but I think if you look back at your NFL career, you wish you could have done more. I'm sure you wish that you played a lot longer and made a lot more plays and uh, made a lot more money. Like you look at all, all of it that way. Talk to me about that. Like where are you right now? When you think about your NFL career, like what do you think about? Yeah, man, I, uh, I'm, I'm in a way better place. Now I just think it is what it is. And now I, 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 I think of, you know, my dad would tell me control what you could control. And that, that phrase used to piss me off because I didn't really understand (laughs) what he was saying, but now I get it. Controlling your perspective is the number one thing. So like where I'm at with it is like, oh, well, you know, it, it is exactly what it is. And it led me here. I think about, you know, when I retired, I took a year off and how I got into this role with the Big Ten, well, James Laurinaitis decided to get back into coaching. So all these injuries happen. I retire from playing. I take a few months to figure it out. And then right as I'm ready to take this leap, the job position opens up. I'm choosing to acknowledge that worked out almost like divine intervention, you know, and yeah. that and that is a choice. That is a choice for me to make. And, and that, that's kind of where I'm at, man. I, like, what if I, I always go back to this, like, what if it, it, there's certain principles allow you to win? Like, what if you can say that the worst thing that ever happened to me is the best thing that happened to me? How could yeah. you ever lose? If you can say all bad things that happened to me work in my favor, all good things that happened to me work in my favor. That's a choice. And really all it is is just to say, like, I'm going to just keep trudging forward. Like, I'm pushing forward always. 
that that's the beautiful thing about injuries as you know is like man adversity introduced a man to himself you know oh, yeah. adversity is the best thing because you gain so much perspective for for you and I both to have gone through the injuries we had like dude think about I, I don't know about you here here's a question for you where yeah. do you think you would be as a man right now if life had worked out exactly how you wanted it to say you're in the <laughs> NFL and you're 6 years in right now and you're worth 40 million bucks. Do you, do you think much would have changed for you? Oh, that's a good, deep question. Um, would much have changed? I think, uh, I think I learned a lot about myself during that time. Uh, I look, I look back to who I was when I was in college, to the things I cared about, to a lot of it. And I, and I, sometimes you look back and you're like not proud of, you know, where you were mentally at that point, man. I remember when I was in college, just caring so much what people thought about me, you know, like just caring so much about, I, I felt like almost part of me wanted to play in the NFL because I wanted people to say that I played in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, it almost yeah. felt like, a yeah. revert. And, and I, and since that process went on and, and since going through that, I've really, I've matured a lot because you go through that time. I mean, man, there was a time when like, I didn't even want to talk about football, right? Like I, I got out of football when I, yeah. when I retired from football, I got into politics. Yeah. I, I wanted nothing to do with football um, because I didn't want to talk about it. I was embarrassed. Um, and then I've learned through this time to, like you just said, be really proud of your story. And like mm -hmm. my story is unique and it's very, it's, I was an all American at two different schools. I took a year off. I, I was at the senior bowl and then retired from football. Like it's like, makes no yeah. sense. And it, it, but that's my story. And it's all led me to this point right here. Like I, I really think that part of my, I, I think if you, if you ask everyone who knows me, the one thing they may say about me and agree on is that I work hard. Like that's mm -hmm. the one thing you may love me, hate me, but they'll all agree that I work hard. And I think a lot of that comes from, also not making it in the NFL. And it's like, I, I have this added motivation and fuel of, I didn't play in the NFL. Um, and I'm now in this college football media game. Like I don't have the advantage of playing in the NFL. I don't have any of that. Uh, I heard yeah. Kirk Herbstreit talk about it. Like Kirk Herbstreit talked about how like he needs to, his differentiator is going to be how he works because he didn't have an NFL career, right? Like yeah. it not, it's not like Tony Romo. It's not like, and you're similar. Like you played in the NFL, but not, you weren't an NFL superstar. So I really think, a lot of good came from that situation. And it's the, it's the old say, it's the old story of, uh, you've heard the story of the chi Chinese farmer. Yeah. 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 Right. It's a great yeah. one. And just to summarize, it's basically the China, this moral of the story is that you never know if something that happens to you in life is good or bad because you don't know how it's going to impact the rest of your life. Right. And, and I look back on that time and, and not playing the NFL and, I really view it as a positive because it's led me to this point now with everything going on and the relationships I have now. And I, uh, on top of your point, Jake, also about how you don't know it's going to impact the rest of your life is I sometimes think like maybe me not playing the NFL was because something really bad would have happened if I played the NFL or if, you know, if I would have yeah. played two years, maybe I was going to have a bigger injury. Maybe like you just don't know what was going to happen if that actually played out. Maybe if you played another year in the NFL, you were going to have a different major injury that would have impacted the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and you just don't know that. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a loaded question on, on how I view that time, but it, there's, 
without a doubt has led me to this point today, which I'm proud of. I think, I think, uh, you know, you said a lot of great stuff there, man. It's, it, you know, part of the attraction of the NFL is you get to say you played in the NFL, which is just like external validation. And like, no to doubt. me, like that was, that was a younger version of me that sought that out. And it usually takes people a long time to figure out how like fleeting that is. Like there's this saying that when you're 18 years old, you think everybody's talking about you. Oh, I love this. When you're 40, you say, well, I don't really give a shit what anyone's saying. And then when you're 60, you realize everyone was so consumed with themselves. No one was thinking about you anyway, <laughs> you know? So it takes some time. So through, through that adversity, you can kind of learn that you can, it's an accelerated learning process. I, I sometimes think I'm like, man, what, you know, I, the beautiful gifts of like being humbled by life is just like pr more precious than gold. And I, I'm not, some, I, 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 money matters and like, d d I'll never discredit that. Like having a good career, I believe that that plays a value, but like, I do believe that there's principles that are more valuable than gold. That that's one, you know, I'm sitting here engaged right now. Like, man, wh where would my ego be if everything went my way? I don't think anyone would yeah. be able to tell me shit, you know, but like, yeah. thankfully it did it. Thankfully I got to learn that lesson. Like, you know, where would I be? Eventually I was going to retire from football. How hard would that have been after 15 years to pivot? Would I have been able to pivot? Like I got yeah. introduced to it a little bit early. So now I have my whole yeah. life ahead of me. It's just, it's funny how like that dance goes back and forth and, and how like the Chinese farmer in the moment an injury's bad with time, you get the choice to say, Oh, wait, I think it's actually good. It worked to my favor. Yeah. No, man. We uh, One of my favorite things about you is how um, intellectually, like, deep you get in conversation and, and how you think things through at a high level. And, and you have great uh, great wisdom and always, like, I always love bouncing things off you because I know you're going to think about it in a way that's different than, than most people. Um, so I, I always love your insight on that kind of stuff. You know, it's you funny too. on the money thing, like, a lot of times now, you know, we both now in our media careers, like we're at points where, you know, we're not making NFL money, but like we have real careers and like yeah. make real money doing this stuff. And I always come back to, um, you know, like even the other day I was looking at a really nice apartment and in Philadelphia where I live. And it was like really nice, like more than I'd ever spent in my life in an, on an apartment, you know, great view of the city, balconies, like all this stuff. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, man, I, I really want to live in a nice spot. Like that's what I want. I, 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 and then I started thinking to myself, do I really want to live in a nice spot or do I want other people to know I live in a nice uh, spot? Yeah. <laughs> and it isn't so true. And I'm thinking like, man, my spot's great right now. Like, I have a great spot. Like, why am I going to double my rent payment? Yeah. For, like, and it's just, I, it's, I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I know people <laughs> say what you want about him. I just love his messages about that stuff. It's about, he's so true. And it made me about so much of what you want in life is about external validation. And if you can really just be happy with yourself, mm -hmm. um, so much of the other stuff takes care of itself. Before we get back to the pod, we got to talk about something super important. Fellas, I know you guys are using those sharp razors to shave your face and to shave your manly areas. I'm telling you, stop doing it. I was in your shoes. I was using regular razors, and then I found Manscaped. The Manscaped sponsored the pod a few months ago, and I started using their products. It has changed my routine and my life completely. I told you before about Smooth Sack Summer. It's now Fresh Ball Fall. You need fresh balls in the fall. There's no excuse not to be fresh. Let's be honest. We both know we go in a little bit nervous to our manly grooming routine with the regular old razors we use, but with Manscaped, 
It takes away any feeling of being nervous. I use the lawnmower 4.0 when I'm doing my manly grooming. I use the beard hedger for my face and the reviews have been immaculate. Just take my word on that one, boys. So I'm telling you, if you're using regular old razors, stop and use Manscaped. And you can go to manscaped.com and use my code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. I'm telling you guys, it's fresh ball fall. Using Manscaped will change your routine, change your manlyhood, and change your life. Manscaped.com, promo code ADAMB for 20% off and free shipping. Dude, when I was my rookie year in the NFL, like I had just torn my ACL in the bowl game. So it was my second ACL. And like, you know, I slipped from, you know, whatever, a second round draft pick, whatever it might have been to a fifth round draft pick. And, you know, I kind of I kind of had the immature thoughts of like, man, getting to the NFL just meant security. Like I would be set. So I remember sitting in like this high rise apartment in Denver. (laughs) Beautiful place, dude. Nicest place. I, I, I never had even seen an apartment like that. I had a brand new Jeep like. I was getting boxes of endorsement deals and clothes and like a nice, nice watch and whatever. And, but because of the injury, dude, like I felt like internally worthless. Like I was like part of the, I almost felt like dirty that I was still being paid to do it, Mm -hmm. even though I'd earned the right to do that. And it was, that was the first time I was like, holy, holy hell, man, the things I've been pursuing, just like there, you never get it, you know? Yeah. Um, like I, I was putting so much into, I thought one day I was going to have a nice house, a nice car. I was going to have clothes, food in my belly, money in the bank, whatever. And then I was going to be set. And I had all that and it was the emptiest I'd ever been. And that, that mindset change w- has been so valuable. I w- you know, I wish I had this ahead of time. Cause like you could still pursue amazing things and have yeah. all that, but it's the, it's the perspective to know like, ah, you know, that's, that's not going to provide you with like true, clean, internal peace. Um, you got to look elsewhere for that, you know? Yeah. Well, hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's so true that, that, that you money doesn't, money just enhances who you are as a person or like where you are mentally. Right. It just, it just, uh, if you're, if you're miserable and a bad person, money just makes you more miserable and more of a bad person. Right. If you're a great person and it's so true. And and we've seen it, uh, with people we've been around too. But, uh, I want to ask you during your career, what do you think was the most difficult moment and how, how'd you get through it? Oh, for sure. So it was, it was my, it was, it was a continuation of two moments. So I tore my AC on the bull game. I rehabbed, missed my whole rookie year. I had never been injured. Like I, my first ACL, I played six months and five days post-surgery. And I was like, man, yeah. I never even iced my knee after two months. I would, I, everything <laughs> was easy. And I was like, I'm invincible, you know? Yeah. So I tear it in the bowl game. I missed my whole rookie year. I come back my second year and I'm like playing the best football of my life, dude, in the NFL. Like, you know, I'm beating Chris Harrison routes. Like I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm like winning against the, the, the Denver defense. I'm thinking to myself like, hell yeah, dude, I'm in this. We're playing yeah. Kansas City on Monday night, and they had me schemed up running like a sluggo and like a fade in the end. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, finally I'm going to put all these injuries behind me. I'm about to put myself on the map. You know, I'm going to outplay Travis Kelsey on Monday night. D- young and dumb, right? You know, and it's funny because as soon as you have that thought, life will humble you. I'm running down on scout team kickoff, and bang, I tore my ACL again, dude. I just rehabbed 18 months, and I tore it again. So that was like the lowest point. Normally, my previous two ACLs, I I was like upset and like cried for like probably 10 minutes. And then I immediately just shifted my mindset to like, okay, it is what it is. What's the next part? So this this one was like, wow, you know, because third ACL, I I had the questions. I asked Doc, I was like, Doc, am I finished? Like, is like, can I can I play again? He didn't even answer. Um, So I, I rehabbed that. I got cleared nine months later and 
nine months in one day was report date to camp. Nine months in two days was our conditioning test. Nine months in three days, I retore both my meniscus and I was just like barely able to play, like towing the line of health, healthy enough to play. And then not, and I like ended up on a six week camp because we had the Hall of Fame game. I like couldn't walk for like three weeks because it was so severe. You know, I finally stretched together a week of health before we played the Rams in our last preseason game. I get out there and I'm, I'm like, very first play, I'm running routes. I don't even know what happened. I literally just took a routine step and my leg locks up and I'm like, no way, dude. Like, no way is this happening. I went over to the sideline. I told the trainer, I was like, I can't move it. I can't move it. And then something happened where it just like magically started working again. So I finished the whole game. Graded out literally like a hundred percent. Like I had the best preseason game. I'm like, thank God I have preseason tape. I just saved my career. We're on the plane going back from LA, land in Denver. And when we landed, I get up to stand up out of my, sh- my seat. And I, I couldn't walk. Like my knee was as bad as it had possibly been. Got an MRI and it was like, listen, like you need to have meniscus surgery. Like you, this is, this is bad. So that, that place took me to like the lowest point because I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing everything right. I thought the deal with life was if I do everything right, like everything's going to work out. I thought, Hey, as long as I do my part, it's all going to go according to my plan. That's that's BS like that. I'm holding up my end. And, and that took me to this low, low place where it was like, well, why do, why am I doing any of this? Like that's, that's BS. Like I got into this victim mindset and uh, it took me like two or three months of internally wrestling with that to have to finally say like, wow, listen to how I'm talking to myself. Like listen to the relationship I'm having with myself. And like the, the journey to pull myself back up of that was like, I don't know. I grew out like a long beard. I like didn't cut my hair for six <laughs> months. I was on like a spiritual journey from that. But again, man, it just hits on these themes of like, gosh, like, you know, sports are such a beautiful teacher of life too. It was, uh, yeah. I, I, man, I'm sure you had some times like that. It was, uh, it was like a really strange, like psychedelic. I was having like out of body experiences with all the injuries I kept dealing with. I just could not possibly understand like why this stuff was happening. Um, that wasn't the question to answer. Like, why is this happening? It was, well, what am I going to do about it? You know? So, um, thankfully we're, we're good now and, and healthy and I'm hanging out with you having a good time in life. How are your knees now? They feeling okay? You know, the right leg, I had two ACLs and like probably four meniscus. The left one, I did an ACL and like two meniscus. My right one is good. Like my right one feels great. The left one, for whatever reason, even though it has way less wear and tear, is like it's it's still pretty unstable and wobbly and gets sore at times. But I don't know, man. I still work out. I still like train and like rehab and eat clean. I've probably lost like seven pounds for my playing weight and feel pretty good. Yeah. So how about you? How, how's yours? My, my, my knees are the, uh, the same way. My, my bad knee that made me retire from football feels okay. My, my other knee, which was an ACL tear in high school, that thing gives me more problems. I mean, it's swelling up. It's, Crazy, it's stiff. Right? And I'm like, my, I mean, th- that's my good knee. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it's funny because I, I can't do a lot of high impact stuff now. Uh, I do squat, sometimes go light. I, I try to like run a mile a few times a week, but I can't really do much more than that from a athletic standpoint with my lower body. I ran um, a 5k for the big 10 network. I, 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 and yeah. and I ran a 5k and bro, I couldn't walk for a week. I ran it, <laughs> that thing was I ran it but I, I literally couldn't <laughs> walk, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Tell me your, uh, you played for Michigan in college. Tell me your best Jim Harbaugh story. Oh man. I know you probably got a lot. 
<laughs> yeah. So there's one about, uh, you know, you, you ever heard the, uh, like the, the Jim Harbaugh eats like steak and stuff like that. No, like he, he eats. So Jim Harbaugh, like he had this like steak and milk campaign where Jim Harbaugh would, he would always eat, he would eat steak every day and he would drink a glass of milk. So he'd go to like the best steakhouse in town, um, and order a glass of milk. And one time they didn't have milk. So they, cause no, who's ordering milk at a steakhouse. So they sent somebody <laughs> out, they ran to like the local market and got a glass of whole milk for him. Anyways, the reason was I found out is because he despises chicken. So he eats like all red meat and like bacon. He hates chicken. So one day we're sitting at training table and there's like a section of like eggs, bacon, uh, like steaks, potatoes. And then there's a, a section for like chicken and broccoli. And Coach Harbaugh's walking down. And he had just got there and he's like looking at everything and he's looking at the chicken and he's like looking at it and like looking up at our nutritionist. We're all sitting in a circle and he goes up to the nutritionist. He's like, ah, chicken, huh? He's like, you know, it's a nervous bird, right? And we're all like laughing like, oh, it is a nervous bird. It's funny, you know? He's like, I want you to do a study. Like, see if there's a correlation between chicken consumption and mental health diseases. Chicken is the nervous bird. Don't eat it. And he was dead serious looking to all of us. And it was like, <laughs> dude, the funny thing about Coach Harbaugh is, is like, you don't know if he's really joking or not. So like, yeah. we didn't know if we should laugh or not. Like he was new. We didn't want to disrespect him, but in hindsight, like he was probably, he was, he was being funny, you know? So that's just, uh, that, that's always one that stands out. What, what was your, uh, recruiting process deciding to go to Michigan over Ohio state? Ohio, so Ohio state never offered me. I was, I was, I'm from Pickerington, Ohio on the East side of Columbia. Never, that never wanted you. Didn't want me. Yeah, no, yeah. no. I, I, I literally mowed the lawn of the, I would mow lawns after football practice in high school. I was mowing the tight end coach's lawn at Ohio state. Um, I went to high school with the the family of the director of recruiting there. Um, I, I was getting offers from pretty much everyone in the, in the big 10 and surrounding area and they didn't want me. So um, for me, everyone's like, man, how could you ever leave? Like, why aren't you loyal to yeah. Ohio state? And I'm like, man, like, you, in order for, for me to have been loyal, they would have had been loyal to me. Like it was a mutually <laughs> agreed upon thing, you know, like kind of you're breaking up with your high school girlfriend. Like I'm better over yeah. here. You're better over there. So it ended up working out great. It, they didn't recruit you because they were recruiting the the kid from Pennsylvania, Adam Brenneman in the, in the class. They, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Cause you were the number you had, a, you had more yeah. offers than I can count, dude. I needed a damn uh, calculus teacher to get me there. Yeah. Like you number one yeah. tight end in high school. That, that that just shows you the rankings were all jacked up, right? <laughs> you were a beast. No, 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 no. You were a beast. You just your injuries came a little bit before mine, you know, and yet you still fought through them. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that, that was a good class. Who? What other tight ends were in our class? Marcus we Ball, had, uh, uh, OJ Howard, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, uh, Ingram. That's right. Yeah, from Evan yeah. Ingram. I'm trying to think. Uh, Marcus Ball was the guy that went to Ohio State. OJ Howard, Evan Ingram. Who else? Who else? I don't think our class was like that good as a tight end. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. Henry, That's right. Yeah. And then Gasicki was the year after us. Um, Those were the big names, though. Hunter Henry, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, you. uh, Who else? I'm trying to think of. I I forgot Evan Ingram was in our class. I remember him being like a, a. small skinny receiver and being you know, not thinking he was going to be able to play tight end. Now he's, now he's the last one standing in the league. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, dude, if you were, I remember when, when it was the Mackey award 2016 and like Ingram's stats were insane, but like he, yeah. he lined up at receiver the whole time. And, I, and and then he runs like a four, what do you run? Like a four, four, two. 
Yeah. Like faster than receivers. I was like, man, if I was his agent, I would literally just say like, F this dude. I, he runs faster than your receivers. He runs great right. routes. I just put him at receiver so he can get paid like a receiver. You know, <laughs> like I know Jimmy Graham was trying to do that for a while. I got this thing. I just thought of it. As you said, Mackey Award. This is the 2016 John Mackey Award semifinalists on here. Who's on there? It's, it's Gerald Everett, Adam yeah. Brenneman, Jake Butt, OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Bucky Hodges, Bucky Hodges. Jordan Leggett, and Cole Hicatini. Oh, my God. So, Bucky Hodges, Virginia Tech, jo- Jordan Leggett, Clemson, and Cole Hicatini was Louisville. Yeah, I, for, I forgot about those guys. Yeah, I, I just thought of that. I was like, I think I had that, the, the Mackey Award finalist. On Bucky Hodges made more money on a vertical route by a tight end than anyone <laughs> in the history. He would just run down the field and just moss dudes. He's a freak. He's a freak. What – um. I know you got to go in a few minutes. What uh, the current state of college football? Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in college football: conference realignment, uh, NIL, the portal, all that kind of stuff. What are your thoughts on where college football is today and where it's going to be in the next few years? I was pondering this exact question today. Okay, I think it's in a great place. I think it's in a phenomenal place. I like, I mean, we have as much parity as ever, like the college football playoff conversation. I mean, you can make a case 11 teams, you know, could, could make the playoffs, you know, like the, the level of talent is high. Like the marquee matchups are there. Like the, the, the conference expansion and realignment with Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC and the big four joining the big 10. How great is that? Here's one thing I was thinking about though. I looked at the big 10 schedule next year. And I mean, there is some, I think Penn state has a stretch where they play like Wisconsin. Oh, brutal. Uh, USC, UCLA, Ohio state and Oregon, like five straight weeks. That's insane. So, so then I was thinking, I'm like, man, all right, well, you, you, you need to have talent in order to like, you need it be, it's basically an NFL team. So then I'm, I'm like working this out in my head. Like, you know, TV is driving a lot of this. Dude, I, I think this is headed towards an NFL model. Like, I, I don't think teams in at the college level are built to go through that big of a gauntlet. Like, you just you just can't. It's too brutal on your mind and body for 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. Like, dude, there, there may be a sta- – I, I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years there's a revenue share with, like, a salary cap for the top yeah. teams. And then there's like farm leagues and levels that work their way up. So like you basically have a miniature pro league in college and the TV product would be insane, but it wouldn't yeah. be a co- You wouldn't be able to call it college athletics anymore. It would literally be like a semi pro league, you know, yeah. where guys just happen to be going to a college. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that there's a, a, a greater chance than zero that that's where we end up. Yeah. The, the part I'm excited to see is what happens with NIL and how it really plays out because the collective model of schools just raising donor money to pay players is not going to last. No. Eventually you get donor fatigue. It's funny. I was talking to a, to a donor the other day. I won't say what school, but you probably guess, um, <laughs> is, uh, he, you know, the collective's going back to him for more money, but they, he just gave him a million bucks last year. Yeah. So ne- now the next year, they're like, we need our million bucks to pay the players. He's like, I just gave you a million bucks. Right, right. For 11, 11 and months half the ago. guys didn't pan out. Half of them Exactly. So, and he's like, we paid for this guy who didn't play. We paid for this guy who transferred again after six months. So, like, the fatigue of the donors is it's, – it's not, it's not sustainable. 
And at some point it's going to, and also it's not what NIL was intended to be. NIL was intended to be real brand deals, not just collectives, raising money from big donors and paying athletes for uh, monthly salaries. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Um, last, I know you got to hop off the, um, what, what, what's the, the North star for you? Where, where do you want to be in, in five years? Five years, man. I just, uh, I want to be married. I want to have a family. I want to own a house. Um, I want to have my kids be, uh, in a really good place as long as my fiance, who will then be my wife. Um, and I want to just kind of like, I want to be further along on this path. Like, you know, I want to have a, a vast knowledge of college football. I want to have a vast network of relationships with the coaches and the players. Um, and, and, potentially, you know, move into some NFL type content. And I just want to keep working towards that because I know if I can do that, man, I think a lot of good things will happen. I think things will fall into place and, you know, kind of following your lead would be great to have just an, I don't, I don't even want to call it an influencer. Like I wanted to, I want my social media to be effectively like a community for people to talk and share ideas and uh, have some fun with, like, it'd be sweet to be able to build out like a massive community on social media as well. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. What's uh? We we did this. You and I do a podcast together for Big Ten Network. So we yeah. talked about the Penn State Michigan game. So that's why we didn't dive into it much here. So go listen to that if you're listening yeah. to this on the Big Ten Network YouTube channel, um, the Button Brenneman Show. But we, what, what's our wager for this weekend? Uh, do, do we do we establish that for sure? Okay. Like what do we? Right. Well, yeah, we're gonna wear the loser has to wear the other team's gear. But I think we got to put a steak dinner on this one too. I, I agree. I agree. Right. We, if we need more than that. Steak dinner in uh, in Chicago, we'll do it. And a bottle and, uh, of like Caymans or like a nice bottle of wine. Oh, like the, I want the, it to sting. I want it to sting a little bit. Uh, no, the the winner gets to order whatever they want on the menu. Lo- loser has to pay. We'll put like a. Well, we got to put a cap on it. We'll, we'll put, put a like cap a on it. Five five hundred dollar cap on the dinner. All right. <laughs> All right, brother. I appreciate you. Oh, hey, you got to shake on it. You got to shake on it. Oh. <laughs> There we go. Handshake. Right. Thanks. I mean, it's in. So yeah, I'm excited for my dinner. We'll we'll, we'll I'll start deciding where I'm going to go. Places, yeah. I'll, I'll just put uh, your card down ahead of time. <laughs> I think we we, we got to make this like a recurring monthly episode. We just come and chop it up and, it, uh, and talk ball, talk life. But I appreciate, it, brother. Excited. Thanks, man.